Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 99. We're going to talk about biblical manhood. We're continuing our series, and today we're going to talk about work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness to us. I thank you that you have uh, you just been so faithful to us in every single way. Thank you for every listener that's tuning in. I just ask that you would help us think through biblical manhood and what you have prescribed men to be and do, this identity and work piece. We talked about worship last week, this identity of being a worshiper, creating the image of God. And now we're talking about work. And so give me direction and insight. Help me as I'm working through these notes uh, to be helpful to everybody that's listening. I trust God that you're going to do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, before we get into that, the sponsor for the month, uh, the podcast and the ministry for this month is our ministry, The Shepherd's Crook. We have been plugging along now for coming up on two years, and things have been going really well. And I'm excited about the future of this ministry. I want to do anything I can to support pastors and churches. And we have a team of guys. We have a, a board of directors with The Shepherd's Crook that are just fantastic men. If you need anything from us, please let us know. I mean, weekly we have these podcasts coming out. We have articles now rolling out. Mason Scroggins is their new editor, and he's putting together these articles for for Shepherd's Crook for Wives and for the men. And they're, they're going to be coming out on a more regular basis now, and he's just been a, a great help with that. So we do those resources, and then we do an event each year, which is the Shepherd's Crook Intensive. You heard me talking a lot about that next May. We're really looking forward to continuing to build on this year, and it was a great trip. Seven people almost died. I mean, you're going to love it. So you definitely want to sign up for that. And uh, it's just it's just really a great thing. So we have the resources. We have an event. And then if you need any coaching at all, we're just now finishing up the cohort, the first cohort that we've done. It's been a six-month process working with six guys about pastoral ministry. And if you would like to be a part of something like that, stay in touch with us, and there'll be more information coming around for the next year. We're going to be doing that again. But uh, regular coaching can happen as well, like one-on-one coaching. So if you need anything from us, please just let us know, and I would love to talk to you about pastoral ministry and any kind of care stuff as well. So if you're going through a difficult time, if you have a deacon that's a pain in the neck or an elder that you just don't know what to do with, a church discipline situation, or even just struggles with you and your wife in this season of ministry, reach out to me, and I'd love to pray with you just to listen and talk to you and work work through some of those things. Also, if you'd ever want me to come and do like a a weekend retreat for your pastors or for the men of your church, I would love to do that as well. Cover the cost of travel and do some sort of love offering kind of thing. I would love to to come out and and be a service to your people in any way that I can, your elder team or the men of your church. And so be thinking about that. If If you need anything at all from us, please just let us know and we would love to help. Okay, let's talk about work. Work is not something we just simply have to do to get paid for. Let me clarify the front end of this, that that this is not the time that I'm talking about work for remuneration. We're going to get to that when we talk about provide. So these six words again are worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. And we're talking about work specifically, The, the, the kind of work that encompasses all of life. It's a lifestyle, six days you shall work, and we are to rest on one day. And so 
majority of our life, men, is going to be with work. And in pastoral ministry, our work is unique. It's not as blue-collarish work, although I want us to view it that way because shepherding is blue-collar work. We should see ourselves more in clothes in the field rather than clothes in the office. Okay, so we do wear more office clothes and, and may sort of kind of carry a brief, briefcase more, but we should know that we, we should be walking around with a, a metaphoric shepherd's crook in our hand that has a blunt end on one end and a hook on the other, more blue-collar work. But this idea of work is a way of life. Six days, we should be doing this thing. And it's not just on-the-clock work. This is work at home, work in the field, work in the office, work in the church building. It's it's all-encompassing here, okay? So I want to get into some more details about that. But first, let's kind of clear up something that that is pr- pretty pervasive idea in evangelicalism today, and I think it was because largely because of John Eldridge, and I think that there's some good insight here, but I think he missed this a little bit when he was talking about Genesis 2.15, because we're told that God made man in his image, male and female, in Genesis chapter 1, but in Genesis chapter 2, we find out that the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden, and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it, to work and keep it. These two words. Now, underneath keep, we find things like protect, provide. That's where we're going to talk more about that, and that will unfold in the coming weeks. But one of the things that Eldridge says in his book, Wild at Heart, that was just, I mean, everybody read like crazy, and you've heard me talk about that. I've even interviewed John Eldridge, and that was a great interview, by the way. But one of the things he talks about is that that, that the man was created outside of the garden, in the wilderness, in an undomesticated way, and then had to be put into the garden And so the way to finding his authentic manhood is getting back outside of domesticated life and into the wilderness. And although I think it is true scripturally that there is a wilderness motif, if you will, where God does work with men in the wilderness and does things in the wilderness that can't be done anywhere else. And that can be a very good thing. Adventure, those sorts of things are wonderful and built into what it means to be a man. I think he misses the point here. And the point is, is that God did make man Maybe he did make him outside of the garden, but specifically he put the man in the garden. That's what God did. His action was clear. He took the man and put the man in the garden with two specific tasks that have subtasks underneath those built into the meaning of the words. And those two tasks were to work and to keep the garden. Work in the garden. It's good. It's noble. It's true, and it remained good even after the fall. And we know that work was complicated after the fall because we're told in the very next chapter, after the fall, after the sin of Adam, that the ground is cursed because of you. And in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread. Work remains good, but is now subject to the curse and to many misuses. So that's why you find these misuses everywhere you look. You, you People misuse work by labeling it bad and becoming lazy and becoming a sloth. And a sloth is a good-for-nothing person who thinks that work is bad and wants everybody else to work for them. He, he wants to consume the work of others, but he doesn't want to contribute to work for the good of others. That's the sloth. Now, the workaholic sees work and worships work. And doesn't see that work is not an end in and of itself. Work has a purpose and it has a goal. And it is to worship. And then the workaholic does not see the value in rest. doesn't see the value in working being for the good of others. Working is only seen as being good for me. And so the workaholic continues to work and continues to work and continues to work. And it becomes his very purpose. But it is important to note that work is good and proper. It's just complicated because of the curse. 
Now, this work is seen everywhere. The kind of work that we're talking about, about a man specifically, has its effects, and the tentacles of this idea goes into everywhere. So we're not just talking about, again, uh, just working for money. This is uh, includes unpaid work. Now, um, let's think about the benefits of work that are different than pay. Okay, work does a lot to build a man's character. In pastoral ministry, it can be easy to and Eugene Peterson has a great book on this, it can be easy to hide behind the secret work of the pastor. A lot of the pastor's work is secretive. It's it's in the quiet, or it's in the office, and nobody sees it because the door's shut, or it's at home because you're spending time in prayer or opening up a book, and nobody sees it. And the pastor has to, before God, know that he is doing the work that God has called him to. And that's a challenge. Do that work. But there's so much character that comes, not just from doing the work that God's called us to do in pastoral ministry, but there's so much character to be built in mowing your yard. You know, I have this ditch. And every month or two in the spring and into the summer, weeds grow. And I can put weed killer on it. And I've got this concentrate that I fill up my gallon sprayer and I put the concentrate lid in and I go and I spray it. And if it's hot outside, it'll kill it quicker than if it's a little bit cooler. So right now, like yesterday, for instance, I sprayed all the weeds in the ditch. And and so there's this riprap here and I'm just spraying weeds and it kills the weeds off. But just as all those weeds are dying, I can go down there and I'm weeding the next week and I can see weeds coming up through those rocks and it just drives me nuts. And you know what that does? It builds character. Work is not something that you do and finish. Work is something that you continue to do and have to do. Through thorns and thistles, this is the sweat of our brow, and it builds character in a man to do something in a, re- in a repetitive ma- manner to know that I'm going to continue to have to do this. There's so much of life that requires repetition. Now, you translate this into your own life. I mean, you see weeds in the creek, and there's weeds in your life, for goodness sake. And the work of getting up and repenting every single day is something we have to not just get used to, but we have to thrive in. Do you realize, men, that these metaphors with work are so easily transferable? I mean, just when you begin to battle one sin and you the, the weeds of those sin are gone, you just look over and there's another one. It's just popped right up. And I'm realizing, oh my goodness, through the power of the Holy Spirit, now that's one that I have to attack. And you go and you attack that sin. That sin. So work builds character. And we have to develop that. And so as, our, as we're working, we have to keep in mind, as I stated just previously a couple minutes ago, that the work we're doing is for the good of others. We, we work with our hands for the good of ourselves, our families, and others. And we do not demand everybody else work for us. This is the difference between Marxism, for instance, which is big in conversation right now, and good old-fashioned capitalism, or good old-fashioned 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, which I'll read here in a second. We're not expecting when we wake up in the morning, everybody else to work for us and to reap the benefits from everybody else's work. We're expecting that I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to contribute to my family, to our church, to my city, and to this world. I am not going to be a consumer. I'm going to be a producer. Here's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 states. And I think this should be normative, our normative understanding of the work of the church. And after the persecution in Jerusalem, after the immediate needs that were presented from the hardworking church in Jerusalem and the way that they contributed each other in Acts chapter 2 and 4, we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 this, Aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and work with your own hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Men are called to work, to produce, not consume. 
an integral part of manhood from the earliest age on, and it never goes away, is being a man who knows how to work with your hands. Pastors, we have to know how to flip the pages in a book, but we have to know how to push the plow as well. And we have to train others to do so. So here's what I'm doing with my sons. We're training sons in manhood right now, and I'm teaching them worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. And as they grow, these, these, these categories here are going to be the stages by which they step into greater and greater responsibility and greater and greater manhood. So right now, I am teaching Ransom. He's six and Valor is four. And our next baby is, we don't know yet, a boy or girl, but our next baby is still in the womb. And I'm going to teach them these stages as they grow. And so right now, Ransom is coming with me when I leave my house with any kind of work that I can do that he can come with me. So right now, I'm a serviceman on ice machines. There are ice machines locally that I take care of. There's a, a businessman that owns a bunch of these ice machines, and he pays me to come and be a serviceman. It, it requires only about eight, eight hours a month for me, but it's a really good side gig. It, it pays really well, and Ransom can come with me. And as he gets older, I'm going to have him do this work, and he's going to get paid. I'm going to sub this out to him and pay him to do this work. But he can come with me because I want him to understand the mechanics of this ice machine. When I'm out mowing, or now my father gave me his tractor, and so I've got this tractor, I'm going to be teaching Ransom how this works. When we do a power washer and wash a car, or when we wash our house, or when we mow the yard, whatever it may be outside, when we build a garden box, I want Ransom there with me because I want him to know how to work with his hands. This work is good, and I want to see him to see me working for the good of the family. And so he's learning what it means to be a worker. When I go to elder meetings, I'm bringing Ransom with me to elder meetings because I want him to get used to leaving the house and going to work. And so I'm teaching him how things work. He has chores that he gets paid for. And so he sees me doing this, and I want to include him in this. And now, one thing he doesn't see me do, he does see me rest. Okay, I want to teach rest to him. But he does not see me laying around on the couch watching TV. Not in our home. We do not have a culture of TV in our home, and he does not see me in a place. You may have your couch, you may have your chair, that, that spot for you. But for me, he doesn't see me. He doesn't have that. There is no spot that he sees me regularly watching TV. It just does not happen. I don't have my shows that I watch during the evenings. He just does not see this. Everything Ransom sees and Valor sees in our home is a culture of work. We are a working family, and this is integral to what it means to be a man. Pastors, God has called us to this manhood, and we, by the grace of God, need to model Genesis 2 kind of work, even with the Genesis 3 curse, to our families and to our people. Work is good, and it's integral to what it means to be a man. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.